Happy Thursday, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Apollo 13 Minute, where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of probably the greatest space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard-directed feature, Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Chris Henry of the EA Aviation Museum. And we are still in the process of uh, our, our intrepid hero. Well, actually, not intrepid because that was Apollo 12, but our, uh, <laughs> our Aquarians and, and Odyssey makers uh, getting ready to get into uh, Apollo 13 and doing, of course, uh, the uh, normal process of suiting up. And before, before you get on the suit, you have to put on all those uh, biomedical sensors, which uh, it, when people talk about spinoffs of NASA, one of the primary things that i mean that you'd have on a on normal lifetime experiences the the amount of these remote sensors when you see when you go into a hospital and and somebody's fitted out for a for an ekg or if they just want to monitor you while you're in a you're in a hospital room uh all that equipment came directly from nasa from a, a company called space labs had designed uh the modern equipment that we use now for remote um medical observation so that you have a you know, at a nurse's station, people can watch a dozen different patients and get up to the second information about how, you know, their well-being, their heart rates, their respiration, oxygen flow, uh, and body temperature, things like that. It's all it's all based on what's happening right here in this particular scene. Um, I love how the scene opens, by the way. That's my favorite, one of my favorite quotes of our space program. Is, ah, Gunther Wendt. Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, we have the, uh, what, who, who they call the pad fuhrer there, Gunther Wendt. Who uh, he was? He was with them from uh, from Mercury into uh, into the space shuttle days. So it's you know quite a. He was the guy that kind of you know locked the door, and he was the last person a lot of people saw on their way into space. And if I remember that correctly, he was originally a contractor from uh, was it McDonnell Douglas? I think so. Yeah. And then it was it was Wally Schra who pressed uh, NASA. Um, to to hire him into the space program, if, if I have that correct, I remember it, Wally was a big part of getting him hired from the contractor actually into into NASA. Yeah, he was um, you know a very calm uh, a very calm guy, and uh, he he was he was the manager of making sure that every, you know every last little bit of human interaction with the uh, with the ship happened on time and uh, and done right. Uh, I know they uh, they did a lot of he, he was uh, heavily involved in uh, the uh, testing the, the testing out part for procedures writing the procedures and getting involved in how uh, you know how they would close up a ship and get you know on board and off board. Uh, I mean, you, if you think about how many times they practiced simply because of so many scrubs of having to plug people in and uh, you know and unplug them and get them out of their uh, get them out of the, the ships. Um, he was the uh, pretty much the number one authority about how to fit an astronaut into a capsule because he had the <laughs> practical knowledge. I liked, um, you know, you know, I, the uh, I can't remember what it's actually called, but the the escape mechanism. I never realized that they actually had that zip line mechanism uh, out of the out of the uh, the top of the Saturn V. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, that would be it's, terrifying to ride. <laughs> yeah, and I just keep wondering if you know if if that that big ship went up how. How long they thought that the uh, connector at the top of the zip lo- zip line was going to uh, survive <laughs> as you went rolling <laughs> down that that long cable um, to the uh, the waiting armored personnel character, which I the, the ar- armored personnel carrier was about I think it was a half a mile away, 
that they had to just wow. kind of slide a 10,000 10, foot distance from the from the ship, jump into the jump into the uh, into the carrier while still wearing their pressure suit, and somehow oh survive you know the explosion happening behind them. I mean, it was it was a nice thought, but it was a bit of uh, <laughs> I think of Dumbo's feather. You know, <laughs> it, it, it was there to give people the uh, the confidence to believe that yes, that we've taken care of that uh, that situation. I talked to um, we talked to Mark Harmon about that when they they filmed that episode of From the Earth to the Moon, and uh, he actually said that he actually did that. That wasn't green screen. Wow. Um, they they asked him. They said, "Hey, do you want to do this?" And he said, "Yeah, that seems pretty cool." And uh, so they took him up there. And he goes, "The minute that I got out there, I'm like, this was the dumbest thing that I have ever agreed to do." <laughs> uh, and he goes, "Because it's just all it is. What you see is what you get. It's a zip line, basically. Uh, you know, down to the." to the net to catch you in and um but he actually did it and uh he said you know that's uh uh but you know the alternatives are there's an explosion on the pad i guess it doesn't look too bad but yeah uh, yeah it's a little bit long to wait for the elevator yeah yeah but he said it's a brave first step (laughs) yeah i i one of my most unforgettable scenes in the imax movie uh, the dream is alive is where they show a practice run of using the uh uh, the zip line with those big uh they, they the plan on the shuttle wasn't to use individual um you know d rings hanging off of a off of a line but you got into a little uh, uh like a ski lift kind of a thing you jumped into this little basket and the basket rode you down to the uh, uh, to the escape point and uh they they tied an IMAX camera at the front of that basket and just ran it into the net at the <laughs> At the base. Oh gosh! And I just can't, I can remember every time I've seen it in an IMAX theater, just seeing everybody. I I, I got to the point when I, after I watched the movie a couple of times, I would just get turn around and watch the audience because when that when that uh, basket hit the net, you'd see everybody in the audience just kind of lean forward <laughs> as it slammed in. So experiencing the momentum of the whole thing. But uh, yeah, it's uh, thankfully it was never never used in real life. It's uh, this biomedical uh, sensor equipment really fascinates me as the, uh, the this is actually what they're getting put on there is a scaled down version of what had originally ridden in the uh, in the Mercury and Gemini capsules and Space Labs the the company that had gotten the uh, contract to do the what they call the cons- conservation uh, version of the sh- of the uh, of the signal equipment because they used to have like they'd run an, a different lead for each one of the um, uh, one of the data points that they were trying to pick up, but uh, what Space Labs did was they had a, a multiplex signal, and they would add uh, signal conditioning equipment to the to the signal so that if they were just listening for a pulse, it wouldn't get confused by you know an astronaut banging their elbow on on the uh, on the seat or uh, or coughing or things like that. They could find. Wow. They could actually spot the respiration and ignore the coughs, much much like we do in podcasting, ignoring the coughs. But you know, and and just building that signal conditioning equipment to know what a heartbeat sounds like versus anything else, or what breathing looks like on a on a graph. It's just an amazing bit of workmanship for uh, for sixties uh, technology, and that you know, and that that's basically hand, been handed down to us with IC chips and and more solid state equipment. So I think one of the uh, one of the hardest parts of the, of, well, I mean, even though this is, you know, still kind of cruder uh, data than what we get nowadays, um, I, I think one of the one of the other parts of it is that uh, the Apollo, the 1970s Apollo tra- telemetry, 
was a lot better simply because uh, there were fewer uh, electrodes or, or you know sensors on them. And uh, probably the biggest one that they don't really talk about much in the history books is that the Apollo uh, astronauts, unlike the uh, uh, Mercury and the early Gemini astronauts, is they could use an oral thermometer instead of the uh, the earlier um, rectal thermometer. So that was uh, that would be much more preferable, I would guess. <laughs> yeah, I would think you know, walking around the moon uh, with with one of those in your mouth would probably be a lot easier. But I keep thinking about poor Gordon Cooper up in the up in space for 21 hours in that situation must have been a, a bit of a rough ride, especially <laughs> yeah. like, you know, pulling six G's at reentry. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Uh. So, oh, well, anyway, that's just the part of the, the part of the, a part of space history you only read about on the footnotes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but a, uh, it's still an amazing thing. I do enjoy seeing the uh, Barca loungers uh, scattered around. That, that's very much true to the when you when you look at Life magazine and watching them doing the suit ups, and it's still true to this day. Having those nice, big old, uh, you know, Dad watching the Super Bowl uh, uh, lounge chairs <laughs> in this. They were still used into the uh, into the shuttle days. That's like a pretty swanky way to go into uh, space flight, just hanging yeah. out, chilling in your chair. <laughs> yeah, there should be like a bag of Doritos on the floor or something. Just... <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, uh, yeah, great great little scene there. We go to uh, very it, nice. Oh, interestingly sorry. enough, the guy who plays – and I know if you watch From the Earth to the Moon and you watch Apollo 13, a lot of the guys uh, that are in the movie, uh, some, of the, some of them get reused in From the Earth to the Moon. And I think – isn't the guy who plays um, – uh, Gunther went also wasn't he like John Young and From the Earth to the Moon? Yeah, I think so. I, I, yeah, I think, I think you're it's right. the same yeah. same actor. Yeah, um, I remember Gunther went in uh, in From the Earth to the Moon was uh, Alf's dad. <laughs> so, oh know, my so. gosh, is it really? I never yeah. noticed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it it and it's one of those things that it, uh, maybe of of everything that was in From the Earth to the Moon, that bit of casting kind of. Uh, took me took me out of it a bit i mean i was just like yeah okay i'll just try to ignore that you know it's it's, <laughs> it's not willie tanner it's yeah. but max <laughs> wright's funny. been in a lot of movies that i enjoyed so i don't you know he he uh i'll give him a pass on that one but yeah i just kept thinking <laughs> he already knows aliens are up there that's funny <laughs> um, but uh he yeah it was a good i'm interested in the the logo i was looking at uh second 18 and uh, I guess they couldn't show, uh, you know, Litton Industries or uh, anything, but it's just an interesting contractor uh, logo for uh, the fellow suiting up uh, Fredo. It's just a C with a box on it. And as far as I know, that, that doesn't comport with any contractor that worked on the Apollo missions, but I guess it's safe. <laughs> yeah, I, I love to know the backstory on that. Uh, hopefully we can get somebody on here who was part of, like, maybe some of the set design or something to tell us why. Yeah. Um, yeah, could have been a licensing thing. That uh, picture of the uh, the Safari Inn sign, in uh, where, where we switch from from the suit up scene to uh, where Marilyn's staying, is uh, gosh, that is so that is so Florida East Coast of the '60s. I mean, it's uh, when I when I went to the, when I went to the Apollo 10 launch the first night we got down there, we had a we had a reservation for Holiday Inn. But they didn't have a room available, and we stayed at a place called the Executive Inn in Cocoa Beach. And I swear that <laughs> that could have been the same that, that could have been the same hotel there. Just those that old fifties <laughs> look with the uh, the second floor and the the uh, 
the the steel uh, railings around the outside. It just it it really captures. That's what every uh, hotel looked like along along A one A in Cocoa Beach and Titus. So it just it, it very true to form. Wow, um, that uh, that's pretty cool. I uh, I've been you know I've had a chance to tour Cocoa Beach a little bit. Of course, it was way after the Apollo program, and some of the, like the remains of some of those older hotels are there. And I always wondered, you know, what that looked like back in the day when so many of them were probably booming. Yeah. Um, yeah. And oddly enough, I actually have a friend who worked for the space program back during the Apollo program. He was an engineer. Um, and it was just really neat because he has a picture with, like, him and his kids in front of, like, a, I don't know, like a burger joint. Uh, and it says the same thing. It says, you know, good luck, Apollo 13 on the, on the you know, the sign behind them, which I always, I always thought was a really cool snapshot of history. Yeah, yeah. They, it, it, you know, it, it, and they were very, I mean, it was a company town, and, and everybody rooted for their home team, which, is, uh, which was NASA. Um, but, yeah, you could feel that, that launch fever going everywhere. Oh, everybody down there, it was like, um, it was like being a game game day at some like a university town, and your team was winning, and that that's what it felt like every time you were there. It's like everybody, that's all people would talk about. It's like, where are you going to see the launch? What are you gonna, you know, wh- what's your plan on how you're gonna, where are you gonna watch it? Yeah, you know, where uh, where are you staying? Do you know, you know, how did you manage to get a room? That kind of stuff. That's all the stuff you'd talk about, and like we'd go to uh, uh, there there was a uh, uh, Howard Johnson's that we'd go to for breakfast. And, uh, you know, you go in there and they, the, the, the waitresses will ask you, you're ready for the launch? You ready? Are you down here for this? You know, and it was, it was so exciting. It was, it was really like, so it was like the Super Bowl and the World Series all wrapped up into one. <laughs> um, and you, could, uh, you just, could, you could sense the excitement in the air down there. Yeah. Yeah. I just love that. Love that feeling. And then, uh, poor Marilyn is, uh, you know, is having a really bad day and this really happened to her. She lost, she lost her wedding ring down the drain. Um, yeah, it did. Now she got the wedding ring back. Yeah, um, and they don't really show that in the movie, but she was able to recover the wedding ring. Um, but it, she did indeed lose it down the drain. That is for yeah. sure. Yeah, the morning, the morning of. I mean, it just. <sighs> Can you imagine um, that for an omen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. when you already kind of have some feelings about thirteen, and and something like that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's. Um, and the very, you know, just a little touch, but the very 60s, 70s thing about how, um, you know, women wore the shower caps. They were, they were uh, bathing caps and things like that just to protect their hair from, from getting wet. Because if you had a, you know, if you had a do, you didn't want to, you didn't want to mess it up with any water for, for a week or so. <laughs> uh, shampoos were for Saturday at the beauty parlor. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can really sense, you know, of, of all the things to go bad, this, <laughs> she just, she, the last thing she needed was I lost my wedding ring down the drain. Oh my gosh, I could I couldn't even imagine. I I lost my wedding ring once in an airliner working oh. on a jet and uh that feeling of, I never got that one back and going oh. home without it uh was probably the just the worst feeling in the world. <laughs> I could yeah. only imagine going into space without it, but uh going home from the airport without it, I'd, you know, I, I I lost it in a uh out on the ramp somewhere and um never to be seen again. So Yeah, I never I never lost the I never lost a wedding ring, but I did. I had a camera on my honeymoon, and I left it in. Um, I, I left it on the bus going back to Heathrow on the and 
it, you know, it, it didn't hit me until I was going through, you know, like check in and all that. It's like, where's the, ca- oh, the camera's on the bus and the bus is somewhere out there and we've got to get on the plane. So, oh. you know, there goes all the honeymoon pictures. This was back in the film days. So oh, like, gosh. Oh, See, man. Yeah. That's so, awful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, somewhere, somewhere, hopefully somebody had a good time with the camera that they found. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, this is a pretty, I mean, one terror on top of another. Uh, do you know? I know. I know she did get it back. Do you know how long she was without it? I mean, I guess they must have. No, it was. I believe it was the same day. I believe a uh, uh, somebody at the hotel was able to come and get it out. I, I remember uh, uh, Jim saying something to the effect that uh, he, that they were able to recover it the same morning. It sounded like. Wow. Uh, yeah, but, but she certainly had a scare there for a while. Yeah, <laughs> the la- the last thing she needed was worrying about <laughs> worrying about that and having having to get out to you know be oh, out gosh. in front of everybody out there <laughs> yeah. on. Uh, and you know, to be honest, that's at a time where time life was, you know, all the women were were supposed to be a certain way. Like you know, yeah, you'd almost be afraid to go out there without your wedding ring on. I mean, that'd be yeah, ways, like would somebody notice? You know, yeah, it, yeah, it, um, just a uh, very very frustrating. The you know, and she like this is the morning, and they they launched. I think it was around noon, or no? Yeah, it was it was, it was like thirteen noon, thirteen noon time. local time. Uh, what a day. And this is this is this is the start of it all. So uh, anyway, we're beginning we're beginning more into the day. <laughs> we're getting ready to go flying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, let's uh, let's pick up the rest of that uh, at tomorrow. As we well, we'll we'll start the mission as we uh, as we end the week. So uh, if, for folks wanting to listen to previous episodes of us, uh, check us out on uh, on our big website at Apollo Thirteen Minute dot com, Apollo One Three Minute dot com. You can also find us uh, anywhere you're getting your great uh, podcast from, like iTunes or Google Play. Just search for Apollo 13 Minute and uh, click subscribe, and you can get this delivered hot and fresh every morning. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to us and talk back to us, we are always available on uh, Twitter at Apollo 13 Minute or on Facebook, Apollo 13 Minute Mission Control. Join us over there because there's a lot of people chatting. It's, uh, it's an interesting discussion a lot of, a lot of the time. So uh, anyway, join us here tomorrow as we finish out the week and uh, watch uh, poor Marilyn uh, ponder her missing wedding ring. <laughs> uh, looks like we're coming up on uh, Lost Signal in 30 seconds, so we will see you here tomorrow uh, here on the Apollo 13 minute.